Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Welcome, welcome everybody. It is a cold Friday here in Indiana. Matthew and I are so excited to be coming to you live from the Indiana Sheriff's Association. We met so many amazing people, uh, guardians of all of our uh, just communities, our schools, our children, our businesses, and we are so fortunate to be among all of you today. Hope you're having a great Friday. Matthew, how are you doing? I tell you, it's uh, very surreal to be back in my home state of Indiana and especially to meet all these special law enforcement experts uh, that we got to know over the last couple of days. And uh, it's a great Friday. Hope everybody's doing well and uh, looking forward to the weekend. So, you know, when we uh, travel and go to these conferences, uh, we are basically delivering the message that we deliver to you, our audience, and thank you so much. Uh, we are growing by leaps and bounds, and that means that more of you out there that need the love and the information that we have to share with you are participating, and we cannot thank you enough for sharing all the good news from our sponsors, MagnusWorks.com, your resilience and wellness app, and the National Command and Staff College. <clears throat> oh, I'm getting a little froggy throat here from being outside in the cold. <laughs> We're used to being in Florida. You know, I have, I've been blood now, so I better toughen up here. Matthew's laughing. I just want to uh, make sure that uh, everybody here also knows that we are going to be launching the first ever law enforcement coach certification program. We are going to be launching in April, and the National Tactical Officers Association is sponsoring that. We cannot tell you how thrilled we are at the reception and response of people who want to come and be professional, licensed, certified coaches, and we are so proud of that. So for those of you who are listening, that program was developed by two Navy Special Warfare Operators and two SWAT Commanders. So this is focused on you, law enforcement, public safety. It is all about the best part of your career, how to make you the best version of you. And we are so excited that so many people want to be members of this coaching community. So look for more information on that at our host site. And Let's get into today's show. So today we're going to talk to you uh, and our guest, who is Bob Goldsmith. He is the sheriff of Tippecanoe County in Indiana. He is a Tippecanoe County resident. Um, he's been there for all of two years of his life. And uh, Sheriff Goldsmith graduated from Lafayette Jeff High School. He attended Purdue and Ball State Universities and then began his career in law enforcement as a Tippecanoe County Jail deputy in 1997. He eventually worked his way up to supervisor, 
and before leaving and becoming a Clinton County Sheriff's Office deputy in 1999. On September 11, 2001, he walked into the lobby of the Tippecanoe County Sheriff's Office and turned in his deputy application. He came back home in January of 2002 when he was sworn in as a deputy with the Tippecanoe County Sheriff's Office. During his career with the Tippecanoe County Sheriff's Office, he spent 12 years as a detective. He was promoted to sergeant of detectives in 2016, and he was promoted to lieutenant of detectives in 2018. And then uh, he was elected the sheriff of Tippecanoe County in November 2018. He has, well, he's been reelected sheriff. Uh, he has an amazing career. During his career, he's been a member of the hostage negotiation team, a boat operator for the dive team. He's participated in an operation where he took on the persona of a child to catch those that are and continue to try to meet up with children and victimize them. He has attended several classes for interviewing children that are victims of crimes, homicide investigation, criminal interview and interrogation schools, computer forensic classes, and so much more. Bob has a passion for law enforcement, for community service, and doing everything he can to help his teammates become the best they can be by listening, communicating, and providing them with everything they need. Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I tell you what, Bob. You know, getting getting to know you over the last uh, you know few days, what a great personality that you have! And I, you know, just looking over your bio here, uh, as Kat was talking about it, it's just uh, very amazing. I tell you what, my man, um, a well, lot I of stuff. That, I, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You you keep on rolling, brother. Um, oh, yeah. Man, so how did, get, how did you get? How did you get? How did you, you know, get into? Uh, this uh, job, this career? Well, I started at Purdue. Um, I wanted to be in business management. You know, I wanted to own my own business, be my own boss, all that good stuff. Um, so I started at Purdue. Getting into the classes, it just, it kind of wasn't me. Um, I took one of those tests that says, hey, this is what you should choose for a career. And mine came out as a bus driver or a police officer. I don't know how those two are related, but um, I obviously picked the latter. Um but yeah, that's really how I got started. I don't have, there's not a family tradition here. Nobody in my family has been a police officer. Um, I knew some police officers, but I, I just got drawn to it because of the community service aspect and working with people and talking to people and trying to help people. Um, it's really what drew me in. Well, it's obvious to me that's why the bus driver came up, right? Public service, I guess so. helping people. Driving people, you know, I, I see, I see the the comparison. You know, there's a one to one here. I really get Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you, you know, dig into a little bit more there, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, saw I a bus driver and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be on here with a bunch of screaming kids. A great big learning capsule. Well, you know, you you might have fit in given that you played a child in one of your roles here as a police officer. Yeah. We'll have to get into more about that. You know, Matthew uh, and I love doing this show, Bob, because we get to really learn about the amazing human beings that are doing our country, our communities, and our people such a great service. And to be among 
I guess, what it was, 63 of you over the past couple of days. It's hard to fathom for the average person um, what it's like to be with those who, sh- who so care about the people that they serve, that they want to come together and educate together and walk away with best practices to serve each other. And, you know, Matthew was, was talking about, um, you know, how you got into this business that you're in. And we know it's a lot more than just taking some kind of an exam and somebody telling you you should, <laughs> you should be a law enforcement. <laughs> oh, yeah. But to tell us a little bit about how, you know, you, you decided that this was a career for you. Um, talking with police officers, I mean, watching TV shows. I mean, I grew up on Andy Griffith, love it. Um, things like that. But early on, I was coaching baseball and running baseball leagues. And David Birdall, who you got to meet, um, was in our organization. I was coaching his kid, and, and he was traveling a lot and talking about the things that he was doing in law enforcement. And it really, it, it very intriguing. And I thought, man, this, you know, this would be a great thing. And, um, you know, when you're coaching new sports, you, you can be a positive role model for those kids. Um, except when they're not doing what you want, you know what I mean? You get a little angry with them, but you know, it, it was a lot of fun. It, it just drew me to it. And, and Dave's the one that actually mentioned, Hey, why don't you start in our jail? Why don't you start off as a jail deputy and, you know, kind of get your feet wet and, and see how you like it. Uh, so I did, and I was still going to Purdue at the time, trying to work 12-hour shifts and go to Purdue, and it didn't work out. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get my degree. I lacked 12 hours. Um, it's something I'd like to finish, but it just wasn't in the cards for me at the time. You know, I was young. I got a paycheck that I'd never seen before um, and was very happy with it. And I got in here, and, you know, the crazy thing is when you're born and raised here, you, you get, you're working in this facility, and you run into people that you played baseball with and football with and ran around the neighborhood and rode bikes with. And, you know, they had problems that you just weren't aware of going to school. You know, everybody's got a story, but, you know, when you come in here and there's, you know, a guy that you spent the night at his house and he's incarcerated and you're like, what the heck happened to you? And you start talking and then you learn, okay, maybe there is a way to make a difference in their life. So they're not coming and going from jail all the time, but I'm kind of an odd duck. Um, I take on something and I think things through and I plan it out. And when I started in the jail, I had a goal and Vince Andrews, he's still with me. He's our maintenance guy. Now I, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'll be the sheriff of this County someday. And I, I, I didn't mean it disrespectful to anybody, but I wanted to lead. I wanted to, uh, make a change. And I worked for some great sheriffs, great people. We have great, I got a great team. I really do. Um, but I started taking notes early on in the jail of any little thing that, that I saw, like, man, if I was in charge, I'd change this. And when it came down to it to run for office, I put that stuff into motion the best that I could. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. I had a plan from the beginning when I started, and I wanted to lead. I'm, I jokingly say, you know, back then, a lot of people don't remember when you had to People sacked your groceries at the grocery store, but if I was sacking groceries, I wanted to run the grocery store someday. It's just it's kind of the way I am. I, I jump all into something. You know, Bob, that's uh, that is super. I mean, that's very amazing on how you elevated your mindset at an early age 
and your visualization of what you wanted to do, not like you said in a dis- disrespectful way, but it's, you know, what, what do you think actually gave you that vision? Um, was it your upbringing? Was it your, you know, spiritual guidance? What do you think actually gave you that vision um, to, to become the sheriff? As you were um, talking about? I, I have to believe it was my upbringing. Um, I love my family to death. Um, they always told me, you know, be the best you can be, strive to attain your goals, work hard. Um, nothing's handed to you. Um, just, you know, integrity, honesty, all that stuff. I, it was instilled with me and with my mom and uh, my dad. And, you know, I'm adopted. I mean, that's a whole family tree. We can have a whole other podcast about that. It's very unusual. But everybody in my family gets along. It's crazy. So if you look at the upbringing, uh, not that any of my family was bad, but with divorce and things, you know, I, I could have went down the same path as some of these other people that I ran around with that ended up in jail and some of them went to prison. Uh, but I, I didn't do that. But it, strong family upbringing. Um, my faith has grown, especially with my wife. Uh, she's a very strong uh, Christian woman, and that's helped me grow as well. But early on, it was it was family. My grandparents, um, both sides, they, they're wonderful people, very strong people, and they believed you got to work hard to get what you want. You know, as as you're talking and I'm listening to the just the emphasis of compassion that you have in your voice for the work that you do, for the people that you know, for the experiences that you have, there, there is something here, Bob, that is unique. And I think those who are listening probably understand what I'm talking about, and I certainly know Matthew does. When you are called into service and you really have a passion as you do, doing everything you can to help your teammates, to help the people you work with, to support those who don't have necessarily the same opportunities uh, that we all do, something changes in us. Matt was talking about, you know, the mindset, but it's, it's engaging other people at a different level. And I really Mm -hmm. believe that listening, that empathy, that communicating, um, is, is a secret sauce. And as you know, we're trying to, to embed more of that in law enforcement to give everybody uh, a better opportunity to provide their organizations uh, with, as you would like to say, everything they need, you know, to be the best they can. What, what, what do you think is key in today's law enforcement environment to getting people to understand that, and, and especially with the multi-generational workforce, how are you instilling that in the people coming up in law enforcement today? Communication. Um, that, that's big with me. It's big with my team. They understand that. I have an open-door policy. Um, but I, I guess this is, how, this is how I work. When I came into office the first time, I came in here and I met with every single employee. Um, now, I'd worked with some, you know, some of them for many years, but I sat them down one-on-one, no time limit, and I said, okay, what are your pain points? What, what makes you not want to come to work? What makes you want to come to work? And what ideas do you have to make this place better and make yourself better? And let's get all this down. So, you know, it took me a while to get through all of it, um, but I took all those and I took them to my 
captains and my chief deputy, hey, okay, here's, you see some consistent things with folks, you know, because we all work in this environment, certain things that they want to change. And now how do we change them? What are these, what are the quick things that we can change here to boost morale, get people talking, get people kind of to buy in the direction we want to go, and, and just fixing those things quickly and communicating with them where we are in that process, and then the things that we can't do, explaining to them why we can't do them. Not, you know, when you have a child and you say, hey, don't do that, and they say, why? Well, because I said so. That's hard to do uh, with adults. You can do it, um, but especially in an environment, you know, as Matt knows, as you know, where everybody pretty much here is a type A personality, when you tell them no, they want to know why. Especially with this newer generation, as we (laughs) learned in the conference, why? You know, I need you to do this. Well, why? How long is it going to take? Um, but communicating that with, with the, you know, we can't do that because it's not within our budget, or we can't do that because they've had some issues with that piece, with, the, with that type of equipment, and here's why. Um, some of the things, tradition, uh, you don't want to break tradition, um, but, you know, being open to other things. I, I'm not a tattoo guy. I have one. It's my wedding ring because I take off my ring when I fish. Otherwise, it cuts in my finger, which <laughs> is, n- is not for this. But, you know, tattoos are very popular. I think they're neat. Uh, but like I said, they're not for me. But we really had to look at are we losing some good applicants because our tattoo policy was so strict. And a lot of guys come out of the military and women, too, with tattoos, and they're showing. They're not down on their hands or anything, but that's something we changed. Uh, but that again, those are things of just listening to people, and that's what I try to instill in everybody is is just listen, communicate. We may not be able to do Definitely. something, but we got to communicate why. And I and I am going to communicate right now that I am a professional interrupter, and we're at a commercial break, so we're going right. to be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. We're having a delightful conversation with Bob Goldsmith. He's the sheriff of Tippecanoe County in Indiana, so come right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. 
They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you have a second cup of coffee there. We're talking to Bob Goldsmith the sheriff of Tippecanoe County in Indiana. And, uh, you know, we found out something very interesting about Bob during the break. And so, Bob, I, I, am, I am so excited to talk about this. So not only did you try to change what was going on inside of your organization in a compassionate way, answering the why, but you also did something that was uh, pretty... Uh, unique you actually did news with the sheriff is that what i heard yeah so a local news agency here reached out to do a show called sunday with the sheriff give it a try um and basically what it what it was is they they let me write the script if you will um marvin was at tv 18 at the time we'd sit down on sundays together or sometimes we record earlier in the week um but go over the things that were happening with inside our agency, um, the direction we're going, things that are going on. Um, and then I'd, I'd bring guests on from the department to explain their role in the office. And it was a way people, to be transparent and people to see us, as we talked about, being real. I mean, we are, we're real people. Um, it's, it's funny because, you know, when you're a kid and you got the school teacher and you see him or her in school every day, every day. And then the first time you run into him in the grocery store, you're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're a real person. So it's kind of similar in law enforcement. They look at us in the uniform or, or, or everything. That's who we are. That's what we do. And we're always a cop. Technically, yes. But there are times, you know, we're still, we're dads, we're moms, we're aunts, uncles, brothers, so we're everything. Um, so we, we are real people. So this show gave people the opportunity to see what goes on in our office, because I wanted to educate him on how our office functions as a, a, in relation to as a, a police department, because they're totally different. Um, and then have some lighter sides, you know, show some humor and talk about the things that we're doing. And, you know, a few times they let me do the weather, which I really enjoyed, because, you know, being a weatherman, it's the only thing you can get wrong 90% of the time and still have a job. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I got told at one point it was their highest viewed um, segment of the show. So it, it was, it was a lot of fun, but 
you know, we talked to break about this generation and, and what people expect. And, you know, social media and, and the Internet has done great things for, I'll just say, our country and the world, and it's also done some bad things. Um, but, cause, you know, you can get on there and find people that believe the way you do no matter which where you believe. You can find a group that thinks like you. Uh, but people expect that now. They, they expect transparency. They expect to know what's going on. So this was my way of um, talking to the, the community, my, you know, my citizens here. You know, we had just over 200,000 people live in Tippecanoe County, and I thought it was a great way to connect with them. You know, Bob, I absolutely, as, as you're talking about how uh, positive that interaction was and what you're communicating to, you know, the community, you know, the things that are going through my head right now is that all the ugliness and all the negativity that we see, you know, it's like, okay, um, yes, media against law enforcement, media is against positivity. Um, and you, it seems like you really just took the opportunity to, to mash both together as far as law enforcement and the media and have a great time, show how positive it can be, but also, like you're saying, just showing how real life is. It's not just being on social media, you know, getting the information that you're getting at tidbits. It's about like, let's breathe. Let's, you know, get our eyes out of the dash, so to speak, as we did at the uh, teams. Um, mm -hmm. And let's look at what's actually going on outside. And let's just be human. Let's be, uh, you know, in relation with each other, no matter what we're doing. Um, and no matter what ugliness is actually happening or what evil is happening, it's actually just bringing everybody together. I love it. And this is one of the unique um, circumstances that I've seen, you know, just being and doing this podcast. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the media. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, you know, the media can be your friend. They can be your enemy. And I think it, it's on, you know, in this case, law enforcement, we got to work with them. We have to have them. Uh, they're going to put the story out there in some cases, whether you like it or not. And you've got to have a positive relationship with them. Uh, so when you have to make that phone call and say, hey, we got this going on, uh, let us get more information, then we'll, we'll release it to you when, when we got all the information. Um, and, we, and we had a situation early on, my first weekend in an office, um, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about is um, line of duty things and hard lessons. Um, we had my first weekend and we had three inmates pass away in my jail. It was horrible. All in one day. Um, the, th the third one passed away and the media was talking about the other two. So I called and told them, um, you guys haven't asked this question yet. Somebody else has, but I'm going to make you aware of this. We've had a third one pass away and they appreciated that. Um, I was honest with them, open, transparent, so that you know that goes a long way when you 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 have to report to them. You need them, but you don't need them to report something immediately because you're still trying to gather information. Does that does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Can can you share a little bit more? Because people passing away in a jail, three in yeah, one day. Yeah, that, that's a lot too. It's and I'm not laughing. It's just like a nervousness. Um, you know, talk about. You have a plan going into something, and everything's going to go the way you, way you planned, and then a wrench gets thrown in the system. So, you know, prior to being sheriff, I spent all my time pretty much 
and detectives and investigating. And that's what I did. And inmates are passing away. Um, I'm, I still got a lieutenant detectives hat on. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. I'm calling this person. I'm doing this. I got to call my attorney and my attorney, she, she grabbed me, you know, grabbed me basically through the phone and said, you stop, you can't investigate anymore. You're done with that. You have a team that does that for you and you got to trust them to do the right thing. And that literally smacked me right across the face. She was a thousand percent correct. Um, but all those notes I told you I took early on, you know, as I was working up to where I was, I had a plan to put those things in place and that just put everything in fast forward and going from there and trusting my team when they make these decisions. I know these guys and gals, I've worked with them for years. They do great work, but I still had that hat on. Like I'm going to, I'm going to run the show. I know what to do. I know who needs called. I know what order we have to do things in. But if I would have kept that hat on and done that, we would have failed. Maybe not right then and there, but years later, because I didn't allow the team to do their job. I wouldn't have, but I did. And I think it's made us better and stronger as a department. It's built trust, uh, not only within the people that were doing the work, um, but also trusting me that I know they will do the job that they've been asked to do. So it's very unfortunate. It was tragic. It was terrible. I thought maybe we had a bad batch of heroin pop into our jail. Um, so I reached out to the other chiefs, got their canines, my canines, and we swept this whole jail. Um, didn't find anything, thank goodness. Um, but it just was unfortunate events and people in poor health is what it was. Um, but it was a really tragic event that brought us all together very quickly and made us have to move forward on some things with mental health that I wanted to do. Um, it made us do those things uh, sooner than later. You know, I, I walked back to the jail and I'm seeing young jail deputies that some of them have never seen a, a, a dead body before in their life. Some people, they've never done CPR. They've never done any of those things. And here we're going to do it right now. And on top of it, we got a bunch of snow. So we had people crashing out on the It was just, it was a mess. It, it was an absolute mess, but it brought us all together at a very unfortunate time. It, it's terrible. The things that happened that those inmates passed to their family and friends, it's, it's awful. Um, but it made us stronger. Again, you know, I'm I'm mesmerized by the compassion in your storytelling for everybody. Uh, You know, for the for the victims who were for you know who were in in the facility and the people taking care of them in the facility and your role and trying to make it a better place for everybody and reaching out to the community. You know, I think what it really tells me, and I hope our listeners hear this. Uh, when you opened up with its communication, uh, that is really an interpersonal skill that many of us have lost because of texting, emailing, uh, and social media applications, whether it's, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn. You know, just reaching out to people in a one-on-one, you know, voice-to-voice, uh, asking for support and help and seeing the response of humanity to any situation. Um, it, it's very compelling, uh, Bob, and I, I, I can't give you enough uh, hugs and love for all the work that you've done in, in the meantime to avoid those situations. You know, the audience knows I, I've had a brother uh, who spent a good two-thirds of his adult life 
in, uh, in, in state uh, facilities, uh, started out young with drugs, and then there's the silly stuff while he's on parole. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's my brother. I love him, and I also want to make sure he's in a safe place uh, when he is, in, in fact, in the possession of the state. So, mm-hmm. you know, that means a lot to me. I'm sure it means a lot to others who are listening as well. I want to ask you uh, a question here about what was it like to do an operation where you had to take on the persona of a child to catch someone who is trying to victimize children. That That is a, a powerful uh, visual for me. Yeah, so we, I went to Cleveland um, to, to train with a group on basically how to record things, what to say, what to do, um, how to act. Then I was up north on, in Indiana learning how to record things, and then we sat in a room for a week. But it was uh, it was crazy. It was um, fun in that the people talking to me weren't talking to kids, which was that's a bonus, man. You know that we got to protect our children. But at the time, I was um, when I was in detectives, I spent a lot of time investigating crimes against children, specifically child molest. Um, and most of those times, you know, those those kids know they're they're perpetrators. They know the suspect. It's it very rarely is it a stranger. But when you get on the internet and you're in a chat room, those are strangers. That's not a family member that's in there trying to um, do inappropriate things with you. That's a stranger. And that, in my those people are sick anyway. But that, that's a special sickness when you are trying to prey on kids through um, the internet. It's just it's awful. Um, we saw you know you've probably seen the movie Sound of Freedom. Um, that stuff's real, but sitting there talking, it, it it was difficult in that you're you're an adult trying to act like a kid that you know, there's 20 or 30 years difference in your age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there, there was another lesson in that for me. I had over 30 hours speaking to one individual, and uh, it, 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 I couldn't um, take the case further. Um, I end up knowing who this person was, um, but once the operation was done and, and it was over, that it felt like it it just stopped, and I I felt incomplete. Like this person doesn't need to be on the street. Um, yeah. Another department reached out. They had apparently been communicating with the same person, so I I turned all my stuff over, um, and they end up you know, affecting arrests and all that and took the person off the street. But that, again, that's another lesson of sometimes you got to be willing to let go um, and trust that somebody else is going to do the right thing. And in this case, the other police department did the right thing and it didn't stop. Um, but may, I had a lot of hours, 38, I think, total, speaking with this one person. I had several conversations going on at the same time, but I had a lot of hours with this one individual. Well, I can tell just, again, you know, in the compassion in your voice and how you're, you know, thinking about the entire end-to-end process that you do believe that, uh, you know, everybody has a role to play in bringing people to justice. And, you know, we do feel a moral obligation to stay engaged during that process, but there are times 
you know, as you've shared brilliantly, where you have to understand that somebody else is going to pick that up and that justice will be served. But a lot of us, you know, don't know, don't ever see the end of that case. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, We're going to come right back. We're having an engaging conversation with Bob Goldsmith, who's the sheriff of County in Indiana. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire. Educate. Impact. And transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X, dot com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to uh, Strategies for Turbulent Times. We're having such an amazing conversation with... uh, I tell you, I feel like he's a close friend within uh, just a few days of knowing him, uh, primarily because he's uh, an amazing guy but and sheriff, primarily, but um, also he's from my hometown. So I know uh, you're, like, least, sitting here like I know. a kid at a concert, also, like, I'm in absorbing, awe. I'm <laughs> absorbing what's actually going on in the hometown since the last 30 years, you know? <laughs> it's like, wow, like, to hear from... Uh, such a great leader and uh, the experiences. Um, it's a lot to absorb, especially when he grew up. I think you're just, you're just grateful that you weren't in jail when he was in office. <laughs> uh, we won't. We, no, I no, won't actually, take him. 
<laughs> He'd be kicked out. You know, you hear about the things that Matt did growing up as a kid, and he's, you know, and I'm sure he's he's sitting here going, "Oh my gosh, oh, if Bob knew I did this, oh my gosh." Nah. <laughs> hey, I, I, I feel you, brother. I was at a uh, of all places a funeral early on in my career, and ran into some people we went to high school with, and they turned around and looked at me and they said, "They go, they gave you a gun." <laughs> said, yeah, they did. They gave me a badge too to go with it in a car. It's a whole bunch of stuff they gave me. It was so kind of them. When win the lottery, right? Yeah. Don't you love when people right. keep it real, right? Yeah. I tell you, it's uh, Bob. It's uh, just listening to, you know, what what your morals, your your ethics, and just what your foundation is. It's uh, it's so true, and it's um, it's resonating with me on what this how special this area of the world is. Um, and just growing up there, I hold the same things too, as far as what I believe in, um, you know, having and being fortunate to have such, you know, there's something special about this area of the nation, um, and the world. Um, just the great leaders, um, the, the, the great sounding boards that have a, just a, a solid foundation that continue to lead, but also um, are open, you know, not forced, um, and just want to do the best for the community. And just uh, you were talking a little bit about how you brought uh, your first conversation <laughs> with your first FTO um, on what, what that first said to you and how you just brought it, you know, full circle coming into the uh, leadership as a sheriff. Yeah, um like I told you at the beginning of this, I'm, I'm the weird guy that I get into something, I go all in and, and want to become in charge of it. Um, I was riding in a car uh, in Clinton County, and we'll leave names out of it, but I think the world of this guy. I, he, you know, he great guy, squared away dude. I mean, I wish I looked like that in a uniform. He was right out of the Marine Corps, knew his stuff, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. I'm trying to get acclimated to the county, the roads, and he said, you know, you're going to want to leave this someday, and it's not going to be because of the the calls, the people you serve. It's going to be because of the administration, and I'm like, man, you're nuts. I did no way, man. Everybody's great and all that, and fast forward a few years and things happen. You know, I, I, was, a, I was a guy I was told I wouldn't be promoted. I, I was told that. Um, I had never been written up no complaints that I'm aware, you know, it's just, it was odd, but that struck a chord with me. But I, I remembered what that Sergeant said to me. So now I, I tell my team, if, if you've got a problem with something we're doing as an administration, man, you got to tell us, we may not know we're doing it. And if, if you, you talk to us, then we can tell you why we're doing something, but you got to give us the opportunity to change. Cause I don't want you to leave. Um, Furthermore, if you decide it's not for you, come to me. Let's talk. Put me down as a reference. You know, I want what's best for you, and maybe law enforcement isn't it. Um, and I've, I've had some people take me up on it. Um, I had a, a jail deputy. I made a decision on something. Uh, somebody's employment history, it was terminated here, came in and said, hey, you said we could come talk to you. I said, hey, let me have it. So I gave him a few minutes, and he let me have it. And I said, okay, my turn. 
And I very I explained to him as much as I could, because some of it's none of his business, but as much as I could of what happened. And he said, oh, I get it. I said, yeah, that's, that's, that's why that happened. All right. Well, thank you for listening to me. I said, all right. And I said, hey, we're done. I don't, I'm not going to hold grudges. You know, good luck to you. Well, now he's a road deputy. <laughs> so he's, he's moved up. But I'm sincere in it. If you've got a problem with what we're doing, you've got to come tell me. And that's, that's what I would tell people. I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I'm human. But people want to be heard, not just the people we serve out in the streets, but your team wants to be heard too. They're the ones doing the work. They're the boots on the ground. Listen to them. They're going to tell you what they need. You send them to training. I send them to as much training as I possibly can. Um, they're bringing back all the new ideas, you know, this, everything. They, they bring it back. Well, if, if we're going to spend five, 600 bucks to send somebody to something, we hope they take something from it. When they do and they come talk, you got to listen. Maybe it works for your department or office. Maybe it doesn't, but you got to be open to listening. And, and my opinion, that's the way the department moves. This office will move forward. Um, I tell them, if you got an idea, man, run with it. If you if you run into some roadblocks, let's try to work on it together. And if we can't get through the roadblocks and it's a no, you're going to understand why it's no, but you're going to understand the process. Uh, so I, I'm probably overly transparent in some senses. Our budget, when we do the budget, I put the book in the conference room and let everybody see it. They all know what's being asked for. They know how much everything is. Um Kind of let the cat out of the bag. I was surprising the sergeants with uh, unmarked black Tahoes, and that was in the budget book. So they started seeing that. But that's that's just the way I do things, um, and, and I love it. I love my job. I love the people I work for. I love the people I work with. I love this community, and, and I plan on staying when I'm done. And I want it to be safe. How are you dealing with, these uh, recruiting shortages that we're hearing about across the nation? Well, you know, when I applied the first time here, I think we were just talking about this a couple weeks ago. I think there was 114 people for like three jobs in this room. And I saw two of them. One's still here. He's a captain. Um, people that were officers at other other departments, they're like, there's no way I'm getting a job. I'm, I'm literally a nobody in this room. So that 114 has gone to... You may get 20 people apply, 15 say they're going to show up for the test, and five of them only actually show up. So we have a shortage in applications uh, relative to what we used to have. But I feel the applicants are becoming they're, – they're a lot better, if you will. We're getting a lot of people um, that are officers at other departments, um, we always get military men and women. Love them. Love you guys. Thank you, Matt. I, I love you guys. It's just they make great officers, and I hire from within a lot, and I think that has a lot to do with retention, and people know that if they come in and do the work, they're going to get hired. But uh, we shortened up our process in that a lot of departments will do a, a testing, like we'll just say in January, and that list for the whole year. Well, what we are seeing and talking with my team is that's not working. People get other opportunities. Um, they become, they're not interested anymore. So we'll get three or four people apply and they'll take a break and stop everything and test them and start them through. 
So we we haven't seen, you know, we're only three deputies short, and I'm very confident with the group we have now that we're going to be able to fill those spots no problem. Our biggest issue is um, hiring jail deputies. Now that what we were telling, you know, I go talk to these folks. Hey, what's the issue? Is it the climate? Is it us? Um, some it was the climate. Working in a jail is very difficult. I know that because that's where I started. Takes a special person, but almost every single one of them, well over 95%, it was the pay. So I worked with the council and included some people on the staff so they were aware of what I was doing, and they gave them a raise. And now they're, I think they're one of the highest paid in the state. So that number before the pay change, we had 23 openings, and now we have 12, and they're constantly interviewing and hiring. There's a lot for listening and communicating. You know, oh, yeah, when we, it's the number one thing. I can hear it in your yeah. voice and, and, and your testimonials to the things that you've done differently. So we're going to be coming in for a close here. Um, and I guess, Matt, I'm going to let you ask whatever you'd like to ask as we come to a close. Okay, so I told you, I, I did let the cat out of the bag as well there, Bob. Um, I told you there's a secret question. Yeah, um, this will be good. <laughs> you haven't heard the, the prior episode. What is your favorite pair of socks? I mean, you're a man that's uh, moving constantly. What's your p- favorite pair of socks? I got these Nike-like compression socks that I got accidentally from my son one time when he was still before he was married, and I, we just keep buying them. Love them. Black, Nike got the R&L, so I don't get, you know, mixed up which foot they're supposed to go on. Um, but I love them. <laughs> that well, actually, you know, I was having a bad run. I'm kind of superstitious. <laughs> I put my left sock on first. Do what? Right, so we know with compression, if you put the wrong sock on the wrong foot, you're going to be feeling it in about 30 minutes. Yeah, I had ones that, that weren't compression, and I put the left sock on first a couple of weeks ago, and it was a really bad day. Like, it was just a weird day. <laughs> so I've been putting the right one on. Come back from the conference, you know, last night. This morning I get my socks out, and I'm not kidding. Both left feet. Both. Two L's. Long I'm like, this can't work. So I'm digging, I'm digging through the sock drawer, man. And I find the one that had two R's. So we, we made it right. Well, we we know what kind of dancer you are there, Bob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's awful. I'm the dancer that sits in the chair. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, this is going downhill fast. I better come in here. <laughs> I have to say, Bob, you have been a breath of fresh air. We had such an yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing Absolutely. experience with all the sheriffs uh, here in Indiana this week, and we were so blessed to have you Say hey, I'll I'll jump in here uh, and help us out. And your community service message, uh, your listening message, your compassion and communication message, I hope is resonating with our audience. And for those of well, you I out there, you. oh, aw, you're you're very welcome. You know, we do this, and I think our audience knows this because it's been growing by at least a thousand people every show. That we care. Um, we love every single one of you who are serving us. And you know, Matthew, 25 years of service, understands what that means. 
to you, your family, your health, your well-being, your future. Uh, you know, it, it's it's something that we cannot emphasize enough, and we are so grateful to all of you. And we love you. We know that media can be hard. We know people can be hard. We know the job can be hard. But please don't you get hard, uh, any of you out there. There are people like Bob Goldsmith who are in leadership roles. Amazing. And we have more Bobs coming into leadership roles. And the more we have those people who get promoted because they have human-centered leadership approaches, the better we're all going to be. So thank you, Bob, for spending this time with us. Uh, No, thank you. And I think one thing I'd like to say going out to everybody listening, do not forget your family. Exactly. Exactly. And on that note, Bob, um, you know, I can't thank you enough, and it's just, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's surreal to be, um, you know, in, in, in a relationship with somebody <laughs> so special. Looking over my family, um, even though they don't know it, but uh, just being back, you know, coming out of the black hole as far as being uh, on active duty and doing everything over the last 25 years, but it's just uh, it's very special to have somebody like you that's uh, looking over the community and the family. Well, thank you so much. And, hey, for you, last night I talked to Coach. So he would love to get together. Maybe we'll work something out and go to lunch. Perfect. I have no idea what you're not a lick of talent, but the heart of a lot. I told him, and he remembered saying that. He remembered you. And uh, I said, well, do you know what he ended up doing? And he said, well, I think he went in the Navy or something. I said, oh, you were in for a treat, brother. (laughs) So, man, I I enjoyed meeting you guys. Great people doing great things, man. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Bob. And for those of you who didn't realize, Matt was told in high school that he didn't have a lick of talent, but he had the heart of a lion. So, (laughs) y'all have a wonderful week. Stay warm or stay in the sunshine. Wherever you are, we love you. Take good care. Till next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Cat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless.